the only place where you can get reception. So in that place, like on Saturday night, you can see a lot of people that's there and doing this just to find reception. Now that place, before they know about Christ, the people that was there, even in the 2000, 2010, they were blood drinkers. They like to drink blood. They like to kill people, not to eat their meat, but just to drain their blood and then just drink it. It was really weird. It's, I asked why, and he said, just because. <laughs> there's no specific reason. There's no, it's for strength, for virility. No, it's just because. I just like the taste of it. Like, why do you eat um, vegetables? It's because I like it. So, yeah, they, they would sit in their field, and if they see someone that they don't know, Passing through their field, they're just, and then cut it, and then drink their blood, and then they don't even bury the body, and they just leave it there for the animals to eat. So it was very, they were blood drinker, but then when they knew Christ, almost most of the villages got baptized. Now, I was assigned to a Seventh-day Adventist village. So in that small mountain, there are three, there were three villages. So the Seventh-day Adventist village were at the very bottom of the mountain, and then there's another uh, there's another village, and then there's another village. Now all these two villages, they really hated the Adventists. They had Adventist people, the Christian people, because we were the only village that didn't want to go to war. We were the only village where people throw rocks at us. We didn't want to retaliate. We just pray for them. So according to them, this is like the strangest village ever. But one, one exciting thing about this village is, even though they hated this village, every time there are sick people from other villages, they will look someone from the, our village and pray for them. So they would look for the church leaders. If the church leaders not available, the elders. If the elders not available, the women. If the woman's not available, the children, they just want an Adventist guy to come to their house to pray for them. It's because when I was there, I found out that 90% of the diseases, if they invite Adventist person to pray for them, it will be healed. At first, I didn't believe it. But when I was there for so many years, I was like, wow, now I understand why they, they adamantly, I need to find an Adventist person to pray because 99%, because I was, I was the witness of that 1% that was not healed. 99% were healed from any kinds of strange diseases. Now, but when I was there, I, me and my partner, we worked really hard. We went to visit houses. We prayed. We healed. Well, not we. I mean, we prayed for people to get healing. But at the end... We didn't get a lot of baptism in those two villages. We got 33 baptism, but it was from another village far away from our current village. But we really felt like a failure. We were really, 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 really disappointed because we want these two villages that's on top of our village to know about Christ. We really felt like a failure. But then we kept track of our mission field. 
after we went and then they sent another pair of missionaries to work there. And then afterwards, a pair of other missionaries. Now we kept track, we called the missionaries, we called the conference, and then the missionary picked up where we left off. And then we found out afterwards that these two villages, now 90% of them became Seventh-day Adventists. Now, the missionaries, they picked up the work, the seed that we were planted, that God planted, grew, and those two other villagers became Adventists. Now, this happened because of the work of the pastor, because the work of the missionaries. But one thing that I want to highlight is it's because of prayers. Me and my partner, we went into the jungle just to pray for these villages. And then the missionaries, they came after us, the pastor that came after us, they prayed really hard. They really hated the Adventists. We made a pipe from the mountain, from the nearest river, to route the waters into our village. But this these two villages kept cutting at our pipes. So every morning I have to go up to see which, one, which, one, which part of the pipes are broken, fix it. And that's what my job every morning. And they even caught one of the lady missionary. They tie her up like um, across the, the tree like this and left her the whole night to get bitten by mosquitoes and everything. But thank God, four years after I was there, the whole village, 90% of them became Christ followers. It was because the power of prayer. When I went there, with my bachelor, with my master, I was like, so I'm going to turn all these people into Adventists. But then they laughed at me. And I was like angry. You guys are from the jungle. You guys are laughing at me. I was from the city, man. But then when I tried to use my own knowledge, my own power, it was no use. But when, when, you, when we use this, when we use our knees, then the Holy Spirit work. Now, that's where I, where we adopted Elsa's older sister. Her name is June. She was going to come with us here, but because we were we adopted her, there were some complications with the paper, with the passport, so she couldn't come with us. Now she's in um, eighth, seventh grade in Indonesia and living with my mom. So yeah. And then, that's why I want to ask all of us here, friends, visitors, sometimes, like for our prayer request, we ask prayers for stuff, we thank you for stuff, but sometimes we forget to pray for our church. Sometimes we forget to pray for these pews. Sometimes we forget to pray for the people around our churches. That's why I want to ask all of us, let us not forget to pray for Crestline Seventh-day Adventist Church. And for our visitors, please don't forget to pray for your church. Because the church cannot grow without prayer. My fourth assignment that was my second assignment. My fourth assignment 
I was placed in a big city in Jakarta. The church was called the Upper Room Seventh-day Adventist Church. It was this metropolitan church. The people that was inside the church were mostly expats. So it was, even though it's Indonesian, it's Indonesia, it was an English-speaking church. We had a great pastor, but then COVID hits. Before COVID, our pastor went to the Philippines to see, to see his wife that was um, going to university there. But then Philippines had a lockdown. So for almost one year, we couldn't have any pastor because Philippines forbid everyone going out or going in. So then for almost one year, we didn't have a pastor. And then we also had mismanagement of the church money. So during COVID, we didn't have any pastor. And then because of the church mismanagement, we were kicked out from our church building. Like literally kicked out all of our TVs, all of our pianos, plates, spoon. It was in, still inside the church. We couldn't get it because we didn't pay the rent. The hymnals, the Bible that was left inside of church, they wouldn't allow us to get it. We were really desperate. But then what did we do? We gather all the people. We pray. We had an all-night prayer. We had a 10 days prayer. We had a 40 days of prayer. We prayed, we prayed, and then we focused on our mission. Because at that time, we forgot our mission. Our mission, what we thought was, let's have a nice church building. That's what we thought at first. But then we focused on our mission. Okay, our mission is not supposed to have a nice church building. Our mission is to introduce Jesus to the people of Jakarta. Okay, so long now, let's focus on that mission. So every time we pray, we focus, focus, focus on that mission. And God opened a way. At first, every night, we had one Bible studies with um, some non-believers. And then we had two Bible studies. And then we had three Bible studies. We had three, four Bible studies until we had, out of seven days, we had 10 Bible studies and all attended by different people. All our people that were looking to know about Christ. We had Bible studies by Muslims. We had Bible studies by Filipinos. We had Bible studies by, uh, we have mental health Bible studies. We have all kinds of Bible studies. We had them in malls. We had them in restaurants. We had them in our houses, in our house a couple of times. Our, the congregation grew, and then we ended up finally able to rent a really nice place to worship. And the church now is already being organized around eight or six months ago as an official church. Not a company, not a Sabbath school branch, but as a full church. And I say that all because of prayer. Because of prayer. Friends, have you prayed for your church? Our visitors, have you ever prayed for your church, for your pastors? Have you prayed for our church, for pastors? One of the other example of prayer for God's people or for God's church that I really like 
is found on Nehemiah 2. Let's open Nehemiah 2. Verse 2. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now, I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, saying, Thou art not sick? This is, a, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. And I said, and I said, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lie waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. So when the king said to Nehemiah, So what do you want to do when you know that your people laid waste. Your city was laid waste. So Nehemiah prayed to the God of heaven. Now his pray is that he all he what he wanted was he wanted the temple to be rebuilt. He wanted to have another church building, if you say so. Friends, have you ever really thought about our church every night when we pray? Or when we pray every night, all we think about what I want. I, 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 me, 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 me. Have we ever really prayed things outside of our realm? Our churches, our community, our pastor, people that don't know Christ. That's why in this short sermon, I'd like to invite all of us, our church member, the Crestline Seventh-day Adventist church member, let us pray for our church, our visitors. Please pray for the small church in the mountain. Because there are still a lot of people that need to know about Christ. We need to pray so that we can have the love of Jesus in the church. As we can see from the news, the church is being attacked. I mean, why do you need to go to church if you want to be a good person? You know, moral is relative. You don't need the Bible to be good. There's a lot of people who are good without the Bible. Even in the church, people are fighting. So why do you need to go to church? That's why we need to church. We need to pray so that the love of Christ first appear in our church. Because you know what the saying is? Adventists have the doctrines, but they don't have the love. I've heard that so many times. We have the doctrines, but we don't have the love of Christ. So let us now pray so that the love of Christ can show in our church. Number two, why do we need to pray for our church? Let's open again Revelation 22 verse 16. Revelation 22, verse 16, our memory verse. 
I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. So God has sent his angel to testify unto us in the church. Testify of what? I am the root and the offspring of David and the bride and morning star. So we need to pray so that we, our love, we can share to the people around us. You know, sometimes we go to church and then we go home and then that's it. But we forget that we come to church like we go to, the, uh, like we go to boxing gym. We go to a boxing gym, we train, so then when there's trouble ahead, we know how to fight. That's why we go to the church, we have that Bible verses, sermon, so that when we go out, we can share Jesus to people around us. Not just for us. So we need to pray for our church so that we can share its love, its testimonies of Jesus to the people around us. We have to be brave to share our testimony. And then why do we need to pray for our church? We need to pray so that God can fill all these empty seats with the people that earnestly seeks the Lord. I know a pastor, every day, he prays for every one of his seats. So in the morning, he'd come to the church, he prayed for one seat. And he moved to that seat, he prayed for that seat. And then he moved to that seat, he prayed for that seat, for that seat. So he prayed that every day until his church was full. Every day, every morning. So we need to pray so that God can bring people to our church. Not so that our church can be full, so that people can know Jesus. We need to pray also that the Holy Spirit can touch the heart of the people around us. One time when I was a... Uh, when I was still like a Bible worker, I was just hanging out in front of the conference office with my friend. We just hang out. We just sit and laugh. And then suddenly, a young man came, and he was really distraught. I need to see the pastor. Wait, what, what do you mean? I need to see the pastor. Okay, uh, the pastor doors is over there. You turn right, and then just knock, and then he's there. Okay. And then he went inside, and then after two hours, he was really happy. And he went out and said, Thank you, thank you. All right, I'll see you. And then the pastor came out and said, and we asked, so what's up, pastor? And he said, that young man, he dreamt last night that an angel came to him and said, if you want to live and if you want to do the truth, go to that office at this hour and study the Bible. So then he went. And I believe that was the Holy Spirit. And I believe me, I've heard those kind of stories many, many times as a Bible worker. I've even experienced them myself. When we came to a village somewhere in uh, Manado, in some island in Indonesia, when we came, there's a person that says, finally, you came. And we were like, huh, why, why, why do you say finally? Because for the last couple of weeks, me and my wife have been dreaming that there were going to be two angels to, came to, this village, to come to this village to bring us good news. 
So friends, let us pray so that the Holy Spirit can come to the people surrounding this mountain. And then they come to this church to know more about Christ. We need to pray for our church. For each and every one of us so that we can become a witness. We need to pray so that God can show us how to reach the people around us. Because I can tell you how I reach people in this place, how to reach people in that place, but in every place, there's a different way to reach people. And the only one that knows how to reach its sheep is the owner of the sheep, which is God himself. So let us pray so that God can send us the Holy Spirit. God can send his people to know more about Jesus, the offspring of David, the bright morning star. We need to pray for our church, our pastors, so that all of us not depend on the pastor to lead other people to Christ. I don't need to tell you about the end is coming. You all seen the news, right? Even non-Christians know the end is coming. There's this one professor. He was invited to a group of a billionaire. I forget the name of the professor. And he was asked, Professor, the end is coming. What should we do? We prepare a bunker. We prepare guards. We prepare weapons, we prepare gold, because they know money will be worthless. The only thing that will have worth is gold. We prepare gold, we prepare food and everything. But one thing that we're afraid of, we have guards, but what if their guards turn on us? We have soldiers that work for us, private army, but what if they turn on us? And the professor, professor answer is really simple, you know? You can start being nice to them from now on. Don't treat them as your worker. Treat them as your family. Treat them as your friends. No, there's got to be another way. Do you have like a shock collar? Or do you have um, like another weapon that we can use fighting these guards? The thing is, even the intellectuals, they they refuse the Bible. They even know the end time is coming. They've prepared. They bought their own islands to prepare when end times are coming, when the nuclear war are everywhere. But we all know it is coming. We have the book. We have the prophecy. That's why we need to pray for our churches. Our churches is taken from the inside, from the outside. Doctrinal differences, fight between members, fight between elders. It's, it's because sometimes we work for God, but we forget to have that relationship with God. We've seen the perversion of God's law. Like a couple of days ago, me and my wife, we saw this horrible, horrible video. Now there's... I don't want to say it. There's a strip show for underage children. And adults were like really happy to see that show because they think it's liberating. We don't need religion. It's liberating. Just do what you want as long as you don't hurt any people. You want to 
even little kids know how to change their gender since they were born. The perversion of God's law is very, 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 very strong now. That's why we need to pray for our churches. Satan is working really hard to make what's normal become abnormal. He's working really hard to turn what's normal becomes abnormal. There are children books that says, what is normal? That's why, friends, but I still believe that there are people that are looking for the truth. There are people that are still looking for a way out. That's why we need to pray for our church so that our church can become a light in Crestline, in Loma Linda, in Highland, in San Bernardino, in Azusa, everywhere. That's why I'd like to ask us, don't forget to pray for your church. Don't forget, don't forget to pray for our church. I've seen church closed. My friend were sent to a mission field, not in a village, in the big city where there's a church that is really big, but nobody's attending. But they kept the church. So there's only one worker in the church. So he just cleaned the building every day. But every Sabbath, they open the door and no one's coming. And it's in a big city in Indonesia. It's because sometimes we forget to pray for our church. We forget to pray for our pastors. We forget to pray for our missionaries. We forget to pray for our colporteurs. We forget to pray for our Bible workers. Let's pray so that our church can become a place for people to learn about Jesus. A place where people can bring Jesus and then place where people can have healing to their hearts. So that can people can become Christ-like to be able to help people that it's in need. Let's open Luke 19 verse 10. Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now this was Jesus' mission. This is my mission. This is our mission. This is the church's mission as followers of Christ. Not as Christians, but as personal, as followers of Christ. Because we don't want to turn everybody become Christian. We don't, we don't want to turn everybody to Christians. We want to let everybody know about Christ. Because you can become Christian, but not know about Christ. I know a, a really famous Muslim called scholar that knows about the Bible. But he doesn't know about Christ. He just know about the God of the Bible, but he doesn't have that relationship with him. So that's why our mission is, our church mission is, to come, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save. 
don't forget to pray for our church. And specifically, I'd like to ask, let's don't forget for our guests, don't forget to pray for our church, for our small Crestline church in the mountains. My wife just made a poster for our church's 107th birthday coming up this October, right? Yes. 107th birthday of this church. Pray for the next 100 years if the Lord hasn't come yet. We can reach out to more, more, more people so that more and more people can know about Christ. So that our church, wherever they are, in Loma Linda, like I told you, in San Marino, everywhere, can bring change to its surrounding areas. When I went to, uh, in my first job, no, my second job, they introduced me to a lot of people in the office and then I shook hands, hey, my name is Zico, my name is Zico. And then um, I shook hands with one person. He was, um, maybe at that time, he was already 50 and I was still in my 20s. And he said, oh, from which university did you go to? And I told him, oh, I was from uh, Adventist University of Indonesia. And he said, ah, I remember that university. Oh, why is that, sir? Are you Adventist? No, 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 I wasn't Adventist, but I live across your campus. And I know when I was little, the people from your campus is very, very, very nice people. I remember when my grandma was sick, they brought her to the hospital. They took care of her. They were so nice. Even when she was already back at the, at the house, they took care of her. They really nice at her. And I know the son of the professors, of the people in the campus, they were so nice. So until today, I still remember that the Adventist people are nice people. Isn't it nice if you can bring change like that? Even if we don't, if we don't baptize anybody, per se, at least they know that the people that know Christ are nice people. We've had, I forget what is, it was Mormon or Jehovah Witness. Mormon missionaries came into our house. We talked, we ate, we laughed. They know they're not going to convert us. And I know I couldn't convert them because, you know, if me, both missionaries met, it's just like, but we, I told my wife, let's just cook nice food have a nice conversation, and let's just have a laugh. At least they know that Adventists are nice people. So when they go back to their houses, when they go back to their home, they know, oh, we met this Adventist couple, and they were really, really nice. And let's pray so that our church can be that place, so that when people come, they're like, huh, I remember that Crestline Church. They were nice people. The food was really good. So friends, let's pray so that our church can become a change in ourselves and the people that come to visit our church. Let's have a commitment that starting today, once a day, I want to pray for my church. I want to pray for my pastor. I want to pray for my deacon. I want to pray for my elders. I want to ask someone to come next Sabbath. I want to invite someone to come next Sabbath, Lord. I don't know how, Lord, but help me. I want to ask someone to come to my church next Sabbath. Let's pray so that we can be a blessing and our church can be a blessing.
I want to close with one last story. Um, in our training, they send us, okay, you group, go to that village. You group, go to that. And then they send us all. And then before they send us, they also ask us, okay, uh, group A, how many baptisms have you prayed for God? How many baptisms do you want to pray? And my friends were like, um, we don't know. We're shy, so we're just going to pray for two baptisms. And they went to another group. Okay, how many baptisms do you want? Um, okay, we want to pray for 10 baptisms. And then they went to another group. Uh, most of us are, we don't really know. Um, we're too scared, so we're just going to pray for seven baptisms. When they came to our group, how many baptisms do you want? Me and my friends, unanimously, we said, let's pray for 100 baptisms. And our group leader was like, are you really going to pray for 100 baptisms? Yes. Really? Yes. So we prayed for 100 baptisms. In my back of my mind, I was like, man, <laughs> I really want 100 baptisms, but how can we get 100 baptisms? So then, yeah, they sent us away for a couple of months. So when they sent us away, wow, it's really hard to ask these people to study their Bible. So we were kind of like at the end, at the end of the um, of our assignment, we had to make a revival meeting, right? To ask people to come for baptism. So we were really, me as a group leader, I was really like skeptic. Oh man, it's two more weeks and I don't see any baptism sign. I asked my friends, so how many Bible students? Only one, but I don't think he want to get baptized. How many Bible students? Only two, but he was swindled by another Adventist in the next village, so he doesn't believe Adventist anymore. So how many baptisms? I don't know. And even me, when I did the Bible study with a with a family, they didn't seem that interested. So then me and a couple of my friends, I said to them, okay, we don't know what to do. Let's just go to the, the mansion and let's do an all-night prayer. So we went to that mountain and we prayed all night. We prayed the whole night for, I think for three days straight. And then suddenly there's this lady pastor. It turns out his church, he, she leads a, uh, well, a small church like this, but uh, maybe like 100 or 70 people in his church. But their church went to church two times a week, Saturday and Sunday. So at first, they only went to Sunday church. They only went to church on Sunday. But then the lady went to the Holy Land, and she was surprised. Huh, I didn't know that there were people that still go to church on Saturday. And then she studied her Bible. But then she believed that Sunday is still sacred, so she made her congregants to go to church twice, Sunday and Saturday. So my, when my friend made a, did a Bible study with her, I didn't know that uh, my friend made a Bible study with her, did Bible study with her. So my friend did Bible study with her. It turns out when we didn't know that, she told what she heard from my friend, a fellow pastor, to her people in the church. So when the baptism day comes, all of their, her church member became Seventh-day Adventists. They decided that they believed that the true day 
was the Seventh Day. So they basically changed the plaque of their church into a Seventh Day Adventist church. So then we got 100 bats. <laughs> that was like the most amazing experience in my ministry life. That's why I believe prayer can change people. I'm here because my mom prayed for me. Because my brother, my sister, my then girlfriend prayed for me. No, you didn't pray for me? <laughs> but I believe prayer can change people, and I believe prayer can change churches. So friends, let us pray for our churches. Let's pray for Crestline Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let's pray for Loma Linda Indonesian Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let's pray for Highland Adventist Church. Let's pray for San Bernardino Adventist Church so that our church can become a blessing for the people around us. Let us bow our head and pray. Dear Lord, we know we are not perfect. We know our church is not perfect, Lord. But we'd like to ask you, Lord, please send us your Holy Spirit to our churches wherever they are. Please send us your Holy Spirit. Please bless our pastors. Please bless our workers. Please bless everybody in the church, Lord, so that we become a light. We can become a blessing so that more and more and more people would like to know about Christ, the bright and the morning star. Help us to have a commitment, Lord, to pray for the churches every night and every day. Help us not to be selfish, but to remember the struggling churches that maybe we don't know. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you and God bless.